Well, good morning. Thank you all for uh, coming in. I'm excited to be um, walking us through this section on prayer from Donald Whitney's book, The Spiritual Disciplines for the uh, Christian Life. Um, if you've tuned in the last few weeks, uh, Greg has been walking us through the importance of meditating on God's word uh, in our Bible intake, which we know is a vital, vital thing. Um, and uh, I think just to kind of start things off again as a bit of a disclaimer or a reminder, uh, this is not salvation by works by any means. Um, we are, are called to do these disciplines um, out of joy and out of uh, hope and building strength in uh, honoring God and glorifying God in all we do. First um, Corinthians 9, I'm going to flip there real quick, um, just as a brief reminder for that. Uh, to start us off um, along those lines. Uh, starting in verse 24, um, it says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul's biggest concern here is to be disqualified from the race for doing something out of emptiness. He wanted to train his body, he wanted to train his mind. He was dealing with persecution and trials. We deal with the same thing day to day. And so I just wanted again real briefly to, to kind of remind us that it, it is not a salvation by works, that we're going through these disciplines as a group, but it is for spiritual training. Um, so opening question, and we are going to be pretty interactive this week. So if, Scott, if you got a mic, you may be walking some. So. Appreciate your service again. Um, I think, Ryan, there's another one over here. So, or um, one right there. It was playing peekaboo. Um, how would you rate your quality of communication? How would you rate your quality of communication? Are you a good communicator? Um, I'll give you a few categories. Um, how about with your colleagues? about with your children or aging parents? How about your spouse, right? If we're all honest with ourselves, we're sinful, but we struggle to communicate quite frequently, don't we? Most of our work issues with colleagues, most of our um, spats with our family members generally come down to some form of miscommunication. Um, and here, in prayer, the whole basis is communication with an almighty God and almighty being. So I want to hear from you. How would you rate your own communication? We got mics. Also, just so you know, I am a trained in interpreter, which means I'm trained to wait 30 seconds for an answer. <laughs> I went through the national park training. I can do it with the best of them. I'll sit here for 30 seconds. I'm watching the clock. We're at seven. Again, any takers on quality of communication? Here comes Bridget. Too bad. I, <laughs> I got it first. 
You know, communication is, uh, it, it's good you brought up those categories because we might at any given point think we're pretty good communicators, um, but in other situations we find out we're terrible communicators. And even when we think we're doing a really good job, we find out we didn't do so good. So it is, uh, it is a constant struggle to, um, I guess, know the audience you're talking to and doing it in, in any form, I think, with a humble heart um, and listening um, so that you know what's going on because it is so easy to miscommunicate. I mean, my wife and I, we have lots of jokes about our communication because she can be talking about something and I think it's, I'll be nodding or talking about it and then come to find out, yeah, she's on a totally different subject. I have no idea what she just said. <laughs> of course, it's my fault, I understand. But, Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, so it, uh, it, it, it's always interesting. So, but along with that, I think uh, the comments you made, a lot of that, you know, a lot of the spats and things we do have, it can be miscommunication, but I think it's even deeper than that. A lot of times it's, it, it starts with our heart first, that we're not thinking properly. We're not um, where we should be and we have our own desires and, and uh, uh, things we want to get in um, instead of listening and, and uh, working together. Good point, Sal. Bridget? Yeah, I was going to say, um, so my mom comes and will stay with us at our house for about like a couple months, a year at this point. Anyway, but it's pretty amazing how, you know, living with Zach day in and day out, we've had to hone a lot of those skills. And when my mom will come, there's things I know I shouldn't do with Zach, just biblically, to respect him, and I will do it with my mom, and I'll think, oh, I thought I got so much better at this, but clearly, yeah, listen, listen, anyway, yeah. issue. I'm also gonna grab the mic since it's right here, but um, <laughs> I found with coworkers over the years and with being married that one of the, like, things that can make communication go wrong so easily is making assumptions. And sometimes that happens because you think like, oh, well, you know, that makes sense to me. So obviously, like, I'm just going to assume I don't need to ask that question. And that might not make sense to the other person. And it turns out I should have asked that question. Or there's things that you just fill in the gaps without even realizing it sometimes. So it's not like you intentionally made an assumption. Like, this has happened so many times with coworkers where, without even thinking, I'll just like assume that this was, you know, what they meant or that they already thought about this or, um, you know, whatever it is. And then a problem happens and then it's like, oh, they ask a question and I'm like, oh, I didn't even think to ask that or they didn't even think to ask me or somebody didn't think to mention that. And it's like, in hindsight, that makes sense. That would have been a really good idea, but at the time, didn't cross anyone's mind. And so it's like the assumptions intentionally made or even unintentionally because we're sinful people um, can really um, cause that communication to not work so well. And kind of relating that to prayer, it's so um, reassuring and, I don't know, just like a relief that God doesn't have any of that sinful or, you know, his understanding is perfect. So he never makes any assumptions that are wrong because he knows everything perfectly. And so from his side, the communication is perfect. Um, from our side, it's not perfect, but um, 
it's nice to know that, I don't know, just the difference there of God is perfect in his communication. Jake? This is kind of a, a secular example, but I think it speaks to our uh, <laughs> inability to um, accurately judge our communication at times. Um, for years, I worked for a corporate office, and they sent us away for training, and they had this several studies. It was great that they would take this, the CEOs or managers or, or vice presidents, and they would ask them to rate themselves as a communicator, and then they would ask their employees to rate them as a communicator, and there was this wide disparity. They all thought, all, all the CEOs, and vice presidents and managers all thought they were really good communicators. They'd all gave themselves like an A or an A plus, but their staff gave them like maybe a C minus. And it's just kind of interesting about how, you know, you always tend to think, oh, I'm doing okay. I do pretty well. And then like the people that are underneath you who depend on you to tell them what to do are just like, you're barely adequate. <clears throat> And uh, piggybacking off what Al said, um, just like the whole selfish, the, the selfish part where you focus on yourself and just like for any other husband out there who's ever looked at their wife and you realize that the answer you're being expected to give right now is going to tell whether or not you've been listening and you are hoping and hoping that the answer you give will affirm you, but you also know that it might convict you. And you're just, you don't know whether to go with thanks, or I know, or I agree. And at that moment, you realize, I was not focusing on what I should have been focusing on. So that's all I've got. We're not, yeah, as, good, we're not uh, as good as we think. You know what, let's, let's just quit there. Uh, you all are dismissed. <laughs> um, no, good, good points, Jake. Bennett? I had one more thing I wanted to tell you. When I was in rehab, uh, rehabilitation, and I was talking to a girl named, um, her name was Angel, and that's a very unique name, and she was talking she should have been more devoted in her Bible, and I was talking to her, so I'm talking to her, and I said, you don't have to read the Bible to devote it to God, and also, I was trying to bring up the book of Job, and also, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to about somebody about the Bible and I'm thinking in my head I'm like I'm trying to help her understand that she doesn't need to be devoted into the Bible and I'm like I'm so proud of myself I'm like oh my gosh um, I'm doing something like worth listening to and I'm like oh my gosh I'm proud of myself those are, those are really sweet moments when we have a chance to, to witness to someone and talk to someone about the Bible and about the importance of prayer and scripture, Bennett. That is spot on, and thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, so we, we get into communication. We certainly miscommunicate. Um, I think you all brought up some great points. We go in sometimes with assumptions. Uh, we go in with some selfish motives. And uh, if we're not careful, I believe we do the same thing when we're trying to talk to our Heavenly Father. Um, and what's great about the lineup that, that Donald Whitney has put through in this book is it's going to really help us 
straighten some of those things and, and be able to take a harder and much closer look at the importance of prayer and how that feeds into uh, reading our Bible and meditating on God's word. Um, so right there, I think on your notes, one of the first things that it points out is uh, there are three major points from this chapter. Um, prayer is expected. Um, we'll be talking about how the scriptures and Jesus uh, have made that clear in his teachings. Uh, prayer is learned. Uh, the idea that regular prayer, meditating on scripture while praying and praying with others will help us learn by doing. Um, and the final point is prayer is answered. Uh, we'll look at asking in faith and persisting in prayer. Um, <clears throat> Lord willing, we're going to take multiple weeks on this. Um, I believe we're going to be able to get through a little bit today, um, but we could be going into possibly three weeks. Um, but uh, I think by the end of the time when we come out, uh, I think the Lord's going to show us quite a bit uh, in his word and from uh, some wisdom that uh, Mr. Whitney has expressed in his book. So let's start off with our, our another opening question. Um, what is prayer? I'll toss it out to you all again. What is prayer? Any takers? What is prayer? Communicating with God. Communicating with God, my mother-in-law, for the points. Donna. I think about it being an intimate time with God. Intimate time with God. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we discussed communicating, intimacy. All those are really, really important. Um, I think what I want to start off by doing is, is talk a little bit about what prayer is not. Um, and I believe Jeremy kind of started uh, talking, he, he addressed it at one point this morning, but um, I have to remind myself constantly that, that God the Father is not a genie in a bottle. Um, and I believe, and in my experience with people outside of the faith, um, prayer can be something that is... It, is inherently selfish. We can be praying for things that we want, um, things in our lives that uh, we deem as important or uh, a promotion at work, a sick family member. Those things are that, those are things that the Lord wants to, for us to take to him in prayer. Um, but we have to remember, and my key point here is that he is um, the almighty creator of the universe. Um, and, and we can, if we're not careful, we can be seeking after our own desires. Um, and, and as we meditate on God's word, we're going to be finding ourselves really seeking his will in situations. Um, and the more that we are disciplined in uh, pursuing him through prayer, uh, especially with the use of God's word, we're going to find our own ideas and thoughts uh, aligning more with what he's laid out in scripture. Uh, we're going to be talking about that a little later on. Um, Jeremy also talks a lot about the two ditches approach, right? You know, the road, you know, one side, he uses this analogy a lot. One side, you got one teaching, one side on the other. Um, and when we're thinking about prayer, um, we can't be too casual. We can't be too relaxed. Um, again, we do have to be conscious that we are speaking to this almighty creator, God. Um, you know, you'll, you'll hear people, oh, it's like talking to a friend. 
Yeah, there, there is an intimacy part there, um, but we do have to remember that, that, you know, we are talking to our almighty creator. Um, and, and it's more than that. So if talking to a friend would be one ditch, over on the other ditch that I, I, I tear to steer towards more um, is the fact that we can look at a passage uh, in Hebrews 4.16. Uh, would someone want to read for us Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 16 for us? Greg's on it. Thank you, Greg. You said Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 16? That is 14 through 16. Thank you. Uh, yeah, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. All right. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confidence. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thank you, Greg. We have this beautiful situation, um, this beautiful inheritance, this beautiful uh, position uh, with the Almighty to be able to take our concerns to him in prayer, um, to go to draw near to the throne of grace um, and to express our need of him. Um, and he desires that. He wants that. Um, and I think that is where we, we kind of can balance there. He, he, it is a friendship. I mean, we can't water it down too much to where we're too relaxed, but we can be confident when we go before him. Um, and that is kind of a principle that helps me quite a bit in my prayer time. If I find myself, um, especially in the car, you know, I, a lot of times I'll find myself wanting to pray in the car and I start to pray and I begin to pray. And then suddenly I'm looking at roosters on the side of the road or uh, geese flying over or whatever that uh, catches my eye or my attention. Suddenly I'm back out of conversation with God. Um, and, and Donald Whitney lays out some approaches here that'll help us. So again, the idea is that we've got, we've got to treat him more than just simply talking to a friend, but remind ourselves that we do have the ability to draw to him conference because he can sympathize and does sympathize uh, with our weaknesses. Um, so uh, Wayne Grudem in, in a book called Bible Doctrine defines prayer as prayer is personal communication with God. Uh, Gary Miller, uh, author of Calling on the Name of the Lord, uh, defines prayer as calling on God to come through on his promises. Um, the good news is that we have some examples of what prayer should look like in scriptures, um, which is going to bring us to our first point. Um, because the other thing I wanted to draw out here too, whenever a national tragedy strikes or even a, a local tragedy, um, you'll, you'll hear on the news or you'll see anchors say, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, this happens a lot with coworkers. Um, you'll, you'll, there'll be a company email or something go out and someone's lost a loved one and, and our thoughts and prayers are with you. And we have to remember that there's a lot of gods that people pray to. Um, my assumption sometimes is like, oh, cool, they're praying. That's awesome. But where's that prayer going to? Um, our prayers need to be going to the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our father. Um, so um, prayer is expected. So one of the points that Donald brings up in his book, uh, he says, surveys and experience indicate 
that Christians spend little time in sustained prayer, even though they know that prayer is a vital Christian discipline. Ready for your mics? Why is that? What would be some reasons that surveys and experience indicate that Christians spend little time in devoted prayer? Jacob and Mr. Rolak. Rolak and then Mr. Jacob. Over here, Scott. Go ahead, Greg. Yep. Pride. Ooh. Pride, like I don't need God. Oh, going back for the mic again. Or you rely on your own wisdom and your own confidence. So you, 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 don't, you wouldn't say you don't need God, but you would say, I've got everything taken care of or I know what to do. Good point. We've, we love to do things ourselves, right? That's why YouTube exists. Um, you all laugh, but you know you've YouTubed something in the last three weeks to figure out how to fix something. Yeah, we like to do things ourselves. We take pride in having our schedules. We take pride in knowing what the next steps are. We take uh, initiative, and, and that's just how we're unfortunately wired and, and our natural inclinations are. Good point. And then also to admit that you have, that you need help is also, you know, or, or lack of admitting you need help is, is something that doesn't drive us to prayer, and, and it's because of pride. Just yeah. adding that bit. Yeah, good point. Jacob? I would say that uh, it's not something that's taught, and it's also a discipline that takes time to really learn, uh, to have a sustained thought and communication with God. It's not interactive in the sense that if we're having a conversation, we can drift from thing to thing, but it does require a lot of discipline to speak consistently to God over time. Great point. Great point. Um, yes, Don, Donna and then Greg Sweet. I just want to make a quick comment. I have a neighbor who is a former pastor, and he and his wife pray from 7 to 9 every night. That's, that's devotion. That's devotion. Greg? I was just, I was just going to say, I think what keeps us from praying is is forgetting who God is. Hmm. I think we have a poor, generally speaking, I think we have a poor understanding, really, of who God is. You know, we talked about you. You talked about you know, sometimes we're too casual with God, and yet in the scriptures, when we see any encounter where somebody saw even an angel, they fell on their face and were scared to death. Well, when we see and we're in the presence of our Lord, I think that's what we're going to feel more than he's my friend, he's my buddy. We're going to be, we're going to know that he loves me, loves us, but we're also going to be scared witless in the, in the face of uh, such an, uh, a powerful, um, wonderful being. And, and I think we, we tend to forget that when we're talking to God. Uh, and it, I mean, it, we just get lost in who he is. Yeah, great point. Bennett. You probably need some faithfulness and you probably need belief and compassion and, and needing to understand that you 
probably should pray every night or in the daytime or whenever you feel like uncertain about something to doing. Like I had this um, brain surgery uh, offered to stop my um, drop seizures and I read more about the side effects and they were really bad like losing my speech losing a lot of other stuff memory and a lot of other bad things and the doctor didn't say one word about that and I'm like thinking to myself he said I have a daughter of my own and I'm thinking of my head after I read the side effects and I'm like if you were in my shoes or in my mom's shoes would you want that to happen to your own daughter and then I'm thinking like it's a hard place like like you don't want that to happen yeah yeah, we have to be faithful in our prayer, and we'll get to that in a few weeks. Understand, man, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Bennett. Um, one of the next points that he goes on to make is, is Jesus has made it clear in Scripture that prayer is expected. Um, uh, it, like we can look, uh, if somebody wants to turn to Matthew chapter 6, and someone else go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18 uh, and have that ready. Um, someone wants to read from Matthew 6. I'll give you the verses here. Matthew chapter 6, verses um, 5 through 13. Thanks, Jake. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We'll take a longer, deeper dive at this entire passage in a few weeks when we talk uh, more about uh, prayer is learned. Um, and this is a great model that we will come back to that that uh, that Jesus provided us. But the one thing that, that uh, I wanted to draw your attention to, um, going back to the idea that prayer is expected, um, in, in three verses, he mentions... Um, actually in two verses, he mentions three times when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, pray like this, 
Um, and he, and we get, when we get into prayers learned, he's, there's some great models here uh, that we'll take a deeper dive to. But again, the idea is not if you pray, but when you pray. Um, who happened to make it to Luke chapter 18? Anybody in Luke? Jason? Um, if you'll read verses 1 through 8 of Luke 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart, he said. In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Again, another incredible passage uh, that Jesus set out there as an example to remind us that prayer is expected. This in particular is uh, about persistence in prayer. Again, we're going to take a deeper dive further into the lesson, into that uh, particular story. But another, just a general reminder that Jesus has made it clear. Uh, scripture also makes it clear. There's a couple other places that we can look. Someone turn to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And then someone else take 1 Thessalonians 5. So a reader for Colossians 4 and another reader for 1 Thessalonians 5. Chapter 4, verse 2. All right. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lindsay. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Jason. Pray without ceasing. Well, that was quick. Yeah. See, that's a verse I can memorize pretty easy, right? Pray without ceasing. Yeah. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Um, we have to be devoted to it. Um, the point here is that we need to be willing to sacrifice for it. Uh, we have to make it a priority. And so, I want you all to take a second and just think about what are the things that you are devoted to right now? Jeremy talked about it in the sermon this morning. Um, what's taking the place of spending time with the Lord? What's taking and becoming a distraction to that? Is it Netflix? Um, is it otherworldly things? Is it hobbies that you may do? Maybe you build canoes in your garage at night. I don't know. Um, what, what are the things that, that take you away from making time, carving time out, uh, to spend devoted in prayer and in, in study of the scriptures? Um, if you're like me, you have a laundry list of things that, um, knock him out of the running of my time. Um, but we must be devoted to it. We must be willing to sacrifice for it. We must make it a priority. Um, <clears throat> 
A few years ago, I read a book uh, that has nothing to do with theology, and I'm not exactly sure why it's come to mind. Um, but we are devoted things. Maybe that's my point here. I read a book about the CEO of Starbucks, whatever, right? It was late, early 2000s when I read the book. Um, but I remember reading like where people would go in every day to get their cup of coffee, a $5 cup of coffee. Now I love Starbucks as much as the next person. I love the coffee. Um, what I was blown away with is that that's $40 a week times four weeks out of the year for, that's $160. Did I do my math right there? $160 a month just going to coffee. Would you call that devotion? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty devoted when you're dropping that much coin to, to something that you enjoy, right? Um, we all have our passions. We all have pursuits that we like to get out there and do. And those are all good things. Those are good things sometimes that we can honor God in doing and glorify God in doing. But we're talking about communicating with the almighty creator of the earth. Um, going back to the Hebrews passage, we've been given this great opportunity, this privilege to take our cares and cast them on our Lord, uh, confess what's going on in our lives to him, confess our sin. Um, and most days we don't make time to do it. We don't make time to do it. So should, should we always be, you know, walking around in a trance praying constantly or locked away in a closet somewhere to pray? No, we have to be out. We have to be interacting with people. There is a great commission out there that we must go and, and work and fulfill. And God has put people on lives to have relationships with, just like Bennett brought up. You know, she had a chance to pray for one of her nurses um, and talk to them. That's why we're here on earth. So we don't need to lock our ways, lock ourselves away in a closet. Um, but Donald Whitney has this to kind of shed light on the idea of continuing steadfastly in prayer. Um, it's in his book on page 82. He says, so praying without ceasing means you never really stop conversing with God. You simply have frequent interruptions. Let me read that to you again. So praying without ceasing means you never really stop conversing with God. You simply have frequent interruptions. I, I can take that and I can, I can live with that pretty easily. Um, if I were to wake up in the morning and spend some time devoted, plan to pray, um, we'll get into some of those uh, models, I think, next week. Um, and I find myself sticking to that early in the morning. And then throughout my day, whenever I have those idle moments, when I'm tempted to get on my phone and check out what's happening in the world, if I would train myself to just give that attention, even in those short few moments, to the Lord in prayer, even if it's maybe over a situation that happened a few moments ago, I'll find myself constantly in prayer throughout my day. I'll be much more devoted to it. I'll have a, a, the ability to commune with God throughout the day because if you're like me, I wake up, if I do get time, if I do make time, I'm gonna rephrase that, if I do make time to get in the word and pray, as soon as that's over, I'm changed. Three or four mornings out of the week, I'm out the door, I'm headed to work, um, I'm working. I work straight through my lunch hour, I hit, hit the road, head back home, I walk in the door, 
Um, and it's, it's time to be dad and husband and, and try to fulfill obligations there, um, fulfill roles there. Uh, if we've got dinner engagements or archery practice or whatever, uh, you know, it's bedtime and all we want to do is sit down and watch TV, right? We've all got our favorite Ben shows. You can raise your hand. We don't have to share because that's too personal. But, you know, we've, we've got those things that we like to do. Like when the kids are in bed, I'm pulling out the Ben and Jerry's and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy myself because I've earned it. Right? But what if I took the time to go, okay, I'm going to take 45 more minutes. That time between the kids going to bed and then falling asleep. I'm going to take those 45 minutes and do my best to read my Bible and to pray. What would our lives look like if we did that? What would the Lord be um, showing us on a daily basis? Um, those are the things that we need to think about. We, we have to remind ourselves that it is a privilege to pray. Go back to the Hebrews uh, 4 verse that we shared. Um, and, and, and Jeremy brought it up this morning. I think Bennett brought it up a minute ago or, or Al, Job. Who brought up Job um, this morning? Was it Bennett? You know, that man, oh my gosh. The, the, the way that the Lord answered Job in his prayer. I mean, I'm going to turn there now because I'm feeling it. Let's go to Job chapter 38. I really know where the books in the Bible are, I promise. I'm just going to pick out a few because they're all so good. And, and, and part of this is because I'm an outdoorsy wildlife nerd. So when I hear things about like, um, oh, where's, where's he talk about? Okay, have you entered this, verses 22, have you entered the storehouses of snow or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I've reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and of war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed? Or where is the east wind that is scattered upon the earth? Has the rain a father who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth? Right? How many of you all would love to get rid of that womb, right? In the winter, when the ice comes? But who thinks about it? I mean, we, how often do we find ourselves consciously thinking about this creator God that we have this awesome privilege to be able to pour our hearts out to and come to in prayer. I'm blind to it most days. I, I take it for granted to say the least. Verse 39 in chapter 38, can you hunt the prey for the lion? <laughs> I think somebody brought this up a few weeks ago or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket. Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry out to God for help and wonder about for lack of food? My wife and I had this conversation, I believe last week on the way to church. It was about flowers, right? Um, it's amazing that at the beginning of spring, right when the snow melts, what's the flower that comes up that you mentioned? Crocus, right? And then the dandelions come in, right? <laughs> And everybody's like, kill them. But they're there because the bees and pollinators need them, right? Starts with the crocus, then the dandelions, and then more of your other spring flowers come in, your ephemerals that come in in the woods and out in your yard, and then 
your summer, your warm season grasses, your warm flowers, your forbs, all those beautiful black-eyed Susans come. And then as those begin to die, well, the New England aster popped up in front of our house today. It's this beautiful little blue aster. And we had a great conversation on the way back. God has put all of these things in order for us. And we see them and we take them for granted so often. And I, I, I get to work in a field of biologists every day. Men and women who are trained to think scientifically and biologically about the world and its resources and ecology. And I'm looking at it from a very different perspective. Many of them would say they've evolved, they've adapted to their environment. And I'm like, God created this so that that bee and these monarch butterflies could help us with our food. It sheds a completely different light on the passage where um, Jesus talks about, I take care of the birds, I take care of the bees. If I, give, if, if I take care of those, how much more am I going to take care of you? We have that privilege to go before him in prayer. Um, and God does want us to pray. Um, God wants us, I've got two minutes left. All right, God wants us to pray. Um, he wants us to pray because prayer expresses our trust in God and is a means whereby trust in him increases. That's from Wayne Grudem. Again, let me read that again. God wants us to pray because prayer expresses our trust in God and is a means whereby our trust in him increases. What a cool relationship to think about. Okay, so a couple of things here just to kind of tie a bow on it and we'll come back and tiptoe. Next week, we'll, or in two weeks, we'll be talking about how prayer is learned. Sometimes we do feel like prayer can be more of an obligation than an opportunity, but we really shouldn't be. It's a, it's a privilege. Um, some examples, again, I just kind of, I want you all to be thinking about this week. How can you accomplish this? The idea is here that we, gotta, we have to plan to pray, right? We have to make time, ideally every day, to spend time talking with our Lord, communicating with him, um, pouring out our, our hearts to him in prayer, meditating on scripture. Um, that's very important. We have to plan to pray. So one thing I want you to think about this week or in the next couple of weeks is how can you accomplish this? Or better yet, maybe some of you are on it. Maybe you've got this down. Maybe you've got a way that you can share with the rest of us. You know, how are you accomplishing it? Or how can you accomplish it? So think about that over the next two weeks and I'll close out with this right here. I'm gonna go to uh, a cool little diagram here in my big fat study Bible. Um, so uh, the idea is that, um, you know, Jesus taught on prayer. He's commanded us to pray. He expects us to pray. Um, and right here on page 78, um, where he teaches on prayer, um, the different passages. In Luke 6, 28, Jesus teaches people to pray for those who abuse them. In chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus teaches people to pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Chapter 11, verses 5 through 13, Jesus teaches the disciples to persist in prayer, assures them the Father will give the Holy Spirit. We looked at that earlier. We also looked at 18.1. Jesus tells the parable of the unjust judge to teach his disciples always to pray and to not lose heart. 
verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 47, Jesus warns against the scribes who make long prayers for show. Chapter 21, verse 36, Jesus warns his disciples to pray for strength to escape the things that will take place at the end and to stand before the Son of Man. And then in chapter 22, verses 40 and 46, Jesus tells his disciples to pray that they may not enter into temptation. Jesus has made it clear, scriptures have made it clear that we are to pray, that it is expected. So in two weeks, when we get back together, we'll be looking at prayer is learned. And we'll actually look at some models that appear in scripture that will help us grow in that. Uh, Let me close in prayer and uh, we'll let you all get out here to your families. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to pray. Uh, We thank you that because of your son's death, resurrection, um, and our belief in that, we have the privilege to come before your throne um, to make our hearts known to you, um, that you want us to pray to you because our trust will uh, increase um, and that you will be glorified in it. Uh, Thank you for the body here at Martinsdale. Uh, we thank you that, uh, that we rely on your word to give us guidance and assurance. Um, we ask, I ask a blessing on everyone's week um, and that they'll go out here ready to think about how they can apply this idea. What can we do to plan our prayers? And it's in your son's beautiful name that I pray. Amen. You're dismissed.